0: Well, as you know, traditionally, what we do on a Sunday like this is to talk around the subject of vision, mostly for your personal life, and then next week, Sunday, I will go into detail as to what our vision looks like for this year, uh, and so next week, Sunday, I'll do that, but today, I want to talk about uh, simply why should we have vision for our lives? Why, why does it matter? Why do we make such a Big issue out of it. I mean, can't we just go on with our lives, you know? and nobody talk to us about that. But I believe that every year is a year wherein we turn a new page for our lives. It's a new year. Amen. Your amen doesn't match the amen of 2024. Whatever, whatever, I will take it. But uh, a new year gives us opportunity, really. It's a new page. It's an opportunity to redefine our priorities. In This year, you need to ask yourself, uh, am I going to busy myself with things that are urgent or things that are important? Because there is such a demand made on our time. So many things that impress on us that they are urgent, but are they important? Because there's urgent things that are not important. Uh, a new opportunity gives us... A, a chance to redefine our purpose. In other words, we want to ask ourselves, am I still on course in doing what God called me to do or what I was born to do? Because the biggest enemy of vision is life, somebody said. Because, you see, vision is about the there and then. Life is about the here and now. Vision is a picture of a preferable future. But, uh, I'm living in the here and now. And sometimes when things happen in our lives, they have a way of uh, interfering with the vision. And so we need to revisit that and check, am I still on course? You know, Am I still on that lane where I said, this is where I'm going, this is where God wants me to go, am I still on track? The third thing is that and, and a new opportunity helps us to re- redefine or refine our life vision so that we know that we are exactly in God's perfect will for our lives and we are doing what God wants us to do. Am I, is my vision still clear? Because vision can be fuzzy. Or sometimes we can kind of go, go off course. You know, we want to check, is my vision still on paper? Because vision unfolds and there are times when certain things in my life are the thing to do but as as you grow as you accomplish vision as life moves on certain things you may need to redefine is it still relevant uh, 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 uh. and the next thing is we get a chance to reestablish worthwhile goals things that are not going to waste our time we must accept by so that there are certain things from 2023 that we can't bring into 2024, okay? They, they've reached their sell-by date, okay? They, they're not going to work, you know, no matter how we try. Some relationships are not going to work. I mean, you, you've been chasing that person to pay you your money back for the last 20 years. I mean, I mean by now you should realize it. it's not coming back. All right, just, just take your losses and move into 2024 with a smile. Don't be afraid to remove things that are not taking you to your goal. All right, there are things that, I said, there are things that may work for a season, but after a while, they don't work anymore. They are not suitable for that season. And then accept. Instead of, oh, for I tell your neighbor, Scar forstale. And maybe you'll explain to our visitors what that means, ska so, forstale. Don't force things, you know, force forstale, you know. And uh, a new year gives us a chance to bury the past. You know, uh, 2023 might not have been a great year for some of us. Maybe a year of great disappointment. You did things that you didn't think you'll do. You disappointed yourself. You didn't reach your goals. And uh, you may have been hurt by people, disappointed by people. It's not going to help to bring all that baggage into 2024. We just need to learn to bury our past. Let's leave off the bitternesses of 2023. Do you understand what I mean? I mean what I said about you and so on. Just, just leave it. It's, it's, not, it's not working. And and move into a brand new year, and move into your future, the future that you have yet by the help of God to create. And so, welcome to twenty twenty four. Amen. Amen. And may you bury all the baggage of twenty twenty three. Get rid of whatever was distracting you. Forget the past and embrace vision. So let's answer our question. Why? Why is it so important that we should have vision for our lives? Number one, when we do not have vision, we perish. And I'm basing that on Proverbs 29, verse 18, just the first part of that. We perish. Just write that word. We'll explain it in a short while and what it means. It says in the King James Version Bible, where there is no vision, the people perish. I mean it doesn't beat about the butch. There's no vision, people perish. The American Standard Bible reads, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. The Spanish Bible reads, where there's no vision, the people run like wild untamed horses. Right? So if you don't have vision, we perish. We cast off restraint. We run like one wild untamed horses. That word perish is quite an interesting word as is used in the King James Bible. When you go back to the, the meaning of it in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is the word P-A-R-A, para, all right? Sometimes they, pay, they spell it P-A-R-A-H or so. And what it means, it means to let go, for those of you who are making notes, to let go, to be unruly, to be unbridled, or to loosen, which means... Where there's no vision, the people are unruly, unbridled, all right? In other words, it speaks of somebody who just does whatever at any time, their life is not focused, they do whatever, they just go on living, and they waste a lot of their time. Very interesting that this word is the same word used in Exodus 32, you can read it at home. Moses is up on the mountain. He's been there for several days. He's left Aaron to be the leader in his place. The people get very annoyed with the fact that Moses is gone for so long. And they come to Aaron and they say, make us a God that we will worship. As for this Moses and his God, we don't know what has happened to them. All right. Just make us a God. And the Bible says... Then a God was made that they began to worship. And when you read from verse 5 or so, it says, and the people got up and they began to play. That's how the the King James read. But when you read it, in the original, is that the people got up, they began to get engaged in a wild ogie. Now, you know when people get engaged in wild ogies, right? They drank, they did all kinds of things, they did all kinds of sexual acts. And in verse 25, it says, and they got naked. That's the word para. In other words, they were so uh, intoxicated, right? They went in so much of an orgy that they just let go of any sense of decency and they just became wild. So that word, where there's no vision, people perish. It gives a sense of this person who really doesn't care about how they live their lives. They just let loose, let go, do whatever, Because they have no vision. Interesting that when this word is used in the book of Proverbs generally, this word, when it's used, it gives a sense of letting something slip through their fingers by ignoring opportunity. So when when people have no vision, even if opportunity comes their way, it slips through their fingers. Because there's no vision in place. You know, in life we get opportunities. Sometimes you are given an opportunity to do something, but if you just get there and you just show up and you don't have a vision and you don't apply yourself, even if opportunity is given, it is never leveraged. No wonder the Spanish Bible says, where there's no vision, people run like wild, untamed horses. This simile of a wild, untamed horse, think about it. A horse, strong animal, powerful animal. But if it's untamed, if it's wild, it expense, its energy doing nothing. Think about it. A healthy person, strong young man, strong young woman, nothing wrong with their health, right? But they just go through life expending all energy with nothing to show for it. Why? There's no vision. When people have no vision, they don't care what they do with their time. They don't care what they read. They don't care where they go. They don't care who they relate with. They don't care what they do with their body. They don't care if they are committed. They don't care what time they sleep. They don't care what time they wake up. They just don't care. They just wake up in the morning. They just coast along. They have no direction. Ask your neighbor, why are you quiet? Is he talking about you or is it? Why, 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 why are you so quiet? So in other words, when we have no vision, we'll simply be using our strength and our, ne- and our energy going nowhere.
1: You know, there's nothing
0: as said in life you know, to be healthy and strong, to be gifted and anointed, but nothing to show for it. And when we have no vision, we perish. That's why we need to have vision. Number two, vision infuses and generates passion in our lives. You know, God wants us to be a people who are passionate. The Bible uses the word zeal. Zealous. We need to be a people who are zealous. Proverbs 29:18 in the New American Standard Bible, that same verse it reads as follows: without prophecy, people become demoralized. In other words, when somebody doesn't have vision, they become demoralized. What does it mean to be demoralized? Well, to be demoralized means to lower the morale of their morale is low. These people have no inspiration. They don't feel strongly about anything, you know. They become indifferent people, you know. There are people who never smile, they never laugh, they are never angry, they are never sad, they never cry, you know. They are never discouraged, they're just neutral. How I many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? They just never, you know, they just never, you know, you know. morale is low. Or oh, there are people who even when they do something, they never put their all into it. They just do what they do, just to get through with the task, No passion, no zeal. People who, even when they go to work, they don't put meaning in it. They just do whatever they do to get their paycheck at the end of the month, right? People start enterprises, but their heart is not in it. They leave it to other people to run for them. They just never care about it. And that's a reason because they just don't have a vision. That word, to be demoralized, it also means to weaken the spirit of or to weaken the courage of or to be disheartened. It also means that we're demoralized, to throw into a state of confusion or disorder. Now note, when you go through life without a vision, the disappointments of life, the hurdles of life, and the distractions of life will cause vision to leak. L-E-A-K. Vision leaks. Or... Vision can be delayed. And if you don't have vision and if you allow your vision to leak, you'll end up being a person who lives a life that is visionless. When your life is visionless, you end up being demoralized, discouraged, dispirited, and passionless. And you go through life just to tick the box. You are living, you are existing, but you're not alive. You are there, there, but you're not making any difference. See, it is passion that fuels people who move forward. In any discipline, you'll find that people who do and who achieve a lot in life are people who are very passionate about what they do. As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, you'll note, even though the Bible doesn't say so in so many words, in looking at the commitment of people, even to an extent of them laying down their lives for the mission of the gospel that these men and women felt very passionate about what they were doing. When you read the book of Hebrews, even those who passed on without even having achieved their dream, they still believed in God. When you look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 2, that when he went to the temple and he found people selling in the temple and using the temple for what it wasn't meant for, the Bible says he made a scourge right, a a whip, and he drove them out of the temple, turning tables over, chasing them out. And his disciples were shocked because they had never seen him like this. You know, they were shocked. And the Bible says, when Jesus did what he did, nobody would dare stand up to him. I mean, really. I mean, everybody just said, all right, I just did. What was it about his posture, his voice, his demeanor on that day? What was it about what he was doing That cost everybody to say, "Mm, I'm not going to mess with this one. The Bible says later on, the disciples remembered what was written about him. That the zeal of your house has consumed me. Jesus was very passionate about the house of God, the mission of God. So committed to it that you note even when he was leading with his disciples, if his disciples veered off from God's will like when he went to Samaria, and spoke to the woman in Samaria and his disciples allowed themselves to be affected by the politics of the day and the, the religious differences of the day and they went away to go and buy food and, and, and walk away from confronting a situation. Jesus went right into that situation to deal with the situation and when his disciples came back to offer him food, he said, I don't want your chicken licking. I mean, no chicken licking. I don't want your food. <laughs> He says, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, I draw satisfaction and contentment from doing the will of God. May 2024 be that year for you. Oh, yeah. Where you will be a man and a woman who's passionate. Paul, when he writes his story in the book of Philippians, I mean it talks about his life before he became a Christian. I mean, he talks about the way he is a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised on the eighth day. When it comes to the law, he was flawless. And he talks about his training. And, and then he says, when it comes to zeal, when it comes to passion, I was persecuting people who called on the name of Christ. But note, when he got converted, when he was changed or born again, transformed by the power of God, God didn't take away his passion. No, 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 no. He just rehabilitated it. See, you see, you see, Christianity is not for passionless people. And some of these pictures that we saw, you know, about Jesus Christ, you know, you see these pictures where there's Jesus Christ is there. He doesn't laugh. He doesn't cry. He doesn't smile. You know, he's neutral. Even when he speaks, he speaks in a monotone voice. You know, come unto me, all ye. who are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. You know, take my yoke upon me. And I will, but I don't. I don't think that's the picture here that we read in the Bible, you know. But Jesus was very passionate. Can I hear an amen? amen? And we need to be passionate. Note what Paul says when he writes to the church in Rome, and he is he is so eager to to go to them and preach to them, but he, he his trip has been interfered with. He has been hindered. Romans one, from verse eight in the New Living Translation, he says, "Let me say first That I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows, note verse 9, how often I pray for you. So this man prayed often. Right? I prayed for you. Then he he goes further. He says, day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God. It's got to be a passionate somebody. It's going to pray every day. Pray day and night. He says, the God whom I serve... With all my heart. Eh? I serve God with all my heart. He says, I'm doing it with all my heart. I'm not half-hearted about it. I'm doing it with all my heart. Verse 10, it says, one of the things that I always pray for, always pray for, always pray for, always pray for, is the opportunity God willing to come at last to see you. Verse 11, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. So you can see his passion to go and see these Christians in Rome. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual gifts, just as I've seen among the Gentiles. I have a great sense of obligation. I mean, listen to the words. Obligation. Want to come to you. I have a great sense of obligation in both the civilized world, the rest of the world, to the educated world, to the uneducated world. Now, note verse 15. So I am eager. Eager, obligation, long to see you. This is a man of passion. So we need to be people of passion. Yeah. And it's passion is something that God gives to us. We, we shouldn't fake it. But we should put our all and serve with all our hearts. I like the way Paul says it. He says, I'm serving with all my heart. I'm not just doing it half-heartedly, but I'm doing it with all my heart. Just ask your neighbor, are you doing it with all your heart or are you half-hearted about it? Are you doing it with all your heart? Number three, vision helps us not to be confined to our current situation in our thinking. And in our hearts. You know, as life unfolds, we find ourselves in different spaces in life. There are times when we get stuck. And things are not working. You've done everything you should do. Mara, it's not working. You've prayed. You've bound the devil. Mara, nothing is changing. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, it's almost like when Ephesians chapter 6 says, you know, and having done all to stand. You know, you know, you have to get to a point where you have done all. I mean, you, you've done everything. You fasted, you prayed, you spoke the word, you forgave people that you didn't forgive. You did everything and everything. Having done all. Just having done all to stand, what do you do? Keep standing. Vision, therefore, helps us that as we are standing, we are not confined to where we are. And we don't jump to conclusions that where we are, that's the end of the road for us. Wow. There are times when certain things may be prolonged in our lives. They may take very long from moving away from our lives. And they may cause our vision to be blurred. And we may be tempted to jump to a conclusion that what God has said will never happen. No wonder when God spoke through Habakkuk, he says the vision is for an appointed time. It as if it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass. So, vision therefore helps us not to be confined to the current situation. Let me give you some definitions of visions from the dictionaries. The Oxford Dictionary defines vision as follows. Number one, the act and faculty of seeing. The act and faculty of seeing. So, vision has to do with Seeing. Second definition is vision is a thing or a thing a person sees in a dream or a trance. So you're seeing something. It's in a dream, it's in a trance. Now I like this one. Thirdly, a vision is a supernatural or prophetic apparition. Supernatural or prophetic apparition. Number four, vision is a thing or an idea perceived vividly in the imagination. Or you can call it imaginative insight. And then it says, definition number five, vision is statement, statesman like foresight. So you become foresighted. Even if you hear, you see over there. Right. In spite of where you are, you can see where you want to be. Wow. Collins' Dictionary defines vision as the ability or instance of great perception, especially of future developments. The ability or an instance of great perception, especially of future developments. This word vision is very interesting because it's, 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 an, it's an Anglo-French word. But it's, it's borrowed from the Latin word for vision, which is the word O-N-I-S-E. And that word is also the word V-I-D-E-R, videre, if you want to write down. The word onise or videre literally means to see. So when this word was made up, this Anglo-French word, these two words, the word is meant to describe, note this, the capacity to be forward-looking and foresighted. So when you have vision, you are forward-looking, you are foresighted. Now, you are not denying where you are in your current state. I'm not saying I'm not in Rock, I'm not in Pymville, and I'm not at Grace Bible Church. But what I'm saying is, even if I'm here, this is not where I'm going to end up. Now, now, that's important, particularly when things are not working out in your life. This was very important for Joseph, who at a point saw a vision. Him ruling over his family or leading his family, if you would. But then the, the next thing that happens after seeing that vision is so different from what he saw when he was in his prayer closet. And this is what happens often to many of us. You know, after God has spoken to us and has given us a vision, all of a sudden from nowhere, it's almost like vision gets born, the next thing, it dies. Well, Somebody said, well, vision has to go through that. The birth of a vision, the death of a vision, and then the resurrection of a vision. Because whatever God has spoken will come to pass. Just a question of time. Just a question of time. So when vision gets interrupted and when you go into that season where it looks like everything is in hibernation, it's very important for you to be forward-looking, to be foresighted, and to have vision and to look on the other side. Because if you don't, you'll become discouraged. You'll start talking differently. You will start uh, 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 cancelling your prayers. You'll start telling everybody it's not working. And what's even worse, most people they start doing something else. People leave their job, they resign, they start a new project, they do this because this is not working. Ask your neighbor now, I can see you're quiet again, and I can see it's so all too left foot, you know. But but all of these things can happen to us because vision by nature can be interrupted. Therefore, note this this is important. Vision, therefore, is the ability to see in our spirits and in our mind that which God wants us to achieve. Remember, it's in our spirits, it's in our mind. This is why it's so important when the Bible tells us to guard our heart above everything else. So we look after our inward man, our inner man, above everything else. Because vision very often is conceived in our spirits. It's inside of us. It might not be out there, and oftentimes what's inside of us might be so contradictory to what we are in at the moment. So vision then is that picture of what God wants us to achieve and what God wants us to become. Now note, therefore, you plan now to reach your goals in the future. And it is vision that directs your life as to what you are doing now. Let me give you some quotations of visions from different authors. Kauza Posner says this about vision from his book The Leadership Challenge, and I quote, vision is an ideal and a unique image of the future, end of quote. So vision has to do with the future. It's an ideal image. It's a unique image. The word ideal speaks about, I mean, what's preferable, right? Right? It's not where you are, what you're going through right now. Some of you You've started 2024, you look around, everything around you is really not that great. Well, thank God that you are still around. And thank God that God is still on the throne, even in 2024. So vision becomes that ideal and unique image of the future. George Banner says in his book, Turning Vision into Action, and I quote, this is a very long quotation. So uh, the guys at the back will write it for you and put it on the screen for a while for you to write it down. He says this, and I quote Vision is a clear and precise mental portrait of a preferable future, imparted by God to His people, based on an accurate understanding of God's self and circumstances. But the first part is what I like the most. It's a clear and precise mental portrait of a preferable future and the good thing is God implants it into your spirit. Bill Hybels in his book Courageous Leadership says this and I quote, "Vision is the picture of the future that produces passion." So vision by us it's almost like looking through a window Let's assume for a while, this is a window, but the curtains are drawn. And here I am on this side of this window with the drawn curtains, right? On the other side, there's beautiful scenery, all kinds of things that are on the other side of the window. So oftentimes when we live our lives, we see a drawn curtain and our awareness is where we are right now. When God gives you vision, it's like he presses that heavenly button to retract the curtains. And all of a sudden, as the curtains retract, you see beyond where you are. And God says, I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans that are good, plans to give you a future and an expected end. It's not where you are right now, but it's where you can be. So he gives you what? revelation He opens your eyes to see. And you're able to see on the other side of the curtain. And what you see over there helps you deal with the challenges that you are facing over here. What you are seeing over there, if you allow it to incubate in your heart, if you allow it to grow in your heart, if you pray in that direction, you believe God in that direction, then it helps you to cope with the present problems because there is something that is on the other side. Simply put, it's almost like the word hope. Hope. See, when there's no hope, and there's no hope at all, people disintegrate and fall apart. So vision has a certain aspect about it that it is forward-looking. Now note, very interesting, that that same verse, Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen, the English Standard Version reads as follows. It says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, vision has a prophetic element about it. We know that prophecy has to do with the future. So vision, to a large extent, tells us about our tomorrow. And we can reach towards that and see that become a reality. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says this, without revelation the people run wild so the word reveal right is very similar to the word apocalypse when you reveal the word reveal means an un- it says it means it's an unfolding or an uncovering or an unveiling where there is no unveiling and people are just confined to what they see here if god doesn't open that curtain people perish what happens if people think this is all there is to my life if people think all these problems, all these challenges, this is all there is to my life, what happens? It causes their hope. It causes their spirit to sink down. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And once that person becomes dispirited and their heart is sick and their courage is gone and their morale is low and they don't see any gap anywhere, there's no hope of anything, there's no ray of sunshine, they sink into total despair. And what happens? Either they take their life, they feel their life is not worth anything, or they just coast along in life and they don't think about anything else. But the minute you begin to see, ah, there's more to me than what I am right now. Can I hear a good amen? That's what God wants me to do. It's over on the other side. And where there's vision, then you are able to do that. So vision to a large extent, very important by Hesu, it helps us not to be confined to our current situation of thinking. I was telling them in the first service that one of the greatest motivators, motivating factors for me when we were still at Homemakers, you know, and we were in that rented place that was so dilapidated was the vision of us having a building one day. You know, I'm telling you the truth, Basalon. I'm being honest with you. That, you know, we, we were there from 1980, 1980, uh, 19- 86, 1986 until 19, uh, the year 2000. 2001. That's how many years? 1986 to 2000. How many years is that? Huh? How about you? you can You can't calculate. I know I'm not. I'm, I could calculate, but I'm, I'm busy preaching here, so help me. That's how many? How many is that? 15 years. 15 years. 15 years in a venue where we had to set up every day, every Sunday, bring in the chairs, hoist the speakers up. It would rain on us. When it was cold, it was really cold. Air was bad. And and, then after a while, you know, in spite of us receiving building funds, rumors started going around. You know, there will always be a rumor, right? That no, we are abusing the money you know and you know we're never going to build and everything and how do you lead in an environment like that I'll tell you how you lead in an environment like that when you have a picture of a preferable future i tell you I mean I, I used to my heart used to break so much when I saw people during winter time I mean it would be so cold people would come in there you know with blankets and some of them would cover themselves you just see their eyes I wasn't sure is it Boko Haram or who is that And I, it, it was scary you know and, and I remember the, the guitar player, I was watching this guy playing the guitar. My friend, I tell you, at Homemakers, you would never be able to play that bass guitar in winter time because your, 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 your fingers would be so frozen that you couldn't just be able to do that. And it was so difficult. And I can tell you one thing, Bazalana. Every Sunday as I stood up to preach, in my heart, in my spirit, I would just say, God, I know one day. Ah, in the same way God's going to bring it to pass in your life. Hey, tell your neighbor, one day is one day, neighbor. One day is one day. Yeah, yeah. The minute you are able to see on the other side, there's just something about it, you know. Now, I've never done any marathons. I've never run any marathon. But uh, I know there's many of you, who've, several of you, who've run marathons. And, and and when I, well, I've caught I do marathons. I watch on the screen, you know. says. So I get tired uh, in a symbolic way. (laughs) But there's something about it when the guys who are running, and even if they're cramping up and, and, and very tired, just when they see the finish line. I mean, there's just something about that that just does something to them. Even better when, when there's spectators around and they are cheering them on or, or someone who comes and helps them along and they and they just see the finish line, you know. And, and that's what God wants you to see. God wants you to see that finish line over there. Yeah. Even if I'm cramping up, even if it's difficult right now, even if my body tells me to give up, but I'm not going to give up in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I may get tired, but I'm not going to give up. Yeah, I'll be discouraged, but I'm not stopping. I will cry, but I'm not stopping. Okay, I will feel like resigning, but I'm not resigning. I'm going to wake up again and I'm going, going, going to go back there tomorrow. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Number four. Are we on number four now? All right, number four. Vision helps us to live a purpose driven life. Vision helps us to live a purpose driven life. Our life needs to be driven, or rather, needs to be purpose driven. Ecclesiastes 3 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. See, when you understand a purpose-driven life, you'll understand that, how do I say this? Things time out in our lives. There's a time when certain things are appropriate for you, and there's a time when they are no longer appropriate. Also, it's important for us to understand that none of us can be a champion of all generations. That whilst you still are alive and God has allocated time to you, live out purpose. For as long as you're in God's season, live out purpose and follow vision. The Message Bible reads in Ecclesiastes 3.1, There's an opportune time to do things, yeah, a right time for everything on earth. You know, one of the most powerful teachings and expressions that Jesus made in the New Testament is in Him explaining to us the importance of the principle of firsts. You know, in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, then he says in Matthew 5 if you go to the altar and you remember that someone has something against you, first leave your gift at the altar. You know, this first that Jesus talked about. The essence of what he's saying in that word first is the Greek word proton. First means make it a priority above everything else. But it also gives us an understanding, note by his that. There are things that are to be done at a certain time. And if you don't prioritize and place things in their rightful place, then your life gets out of timing. You know, the cars that we drive, for the engine to work well, there's a thing every bit timing. Without going into any complexities about that, they have to line up certain mechanical things in the engine of your car so that as the engine is working, it can operate at an optimum way, where it bends out full, fully, and it has an output of kilowatts that is necessary. And that as you press your foot down on the accelerator, you can get the required power, and your car doesn't make a lot of noise without going nowhere. Now, I, I started back then, you know, the cars today are different, but we, when I, my, my first car, wasn't very healthy. <clears throat> it used to get sick every other day. And so I learned how to fix a car. All right. And one of the things I learned quickly was about this thing called timing. You know? And, and timing has to do with your 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 spark plugs and okay, let's not go into that. It's got, it's got to do with a lot of things. Let's just leave that alone. But then I learned that you have to line up certain mechanical things as I said. And when you do that, your car can operate, but if any of them is out of alignment, what happens is that the car doesn't burn fuel as it should, all right? Doesn't, there's no balance of the, the spark, the, 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 the air and the oxygen and many other things, and, and the combustion that's supposed to happen in the engine chamber is not at optimum level. So what happens is your car misfires, so it produces power, then it doesn't produce power. As a result, it starts, you know, uh, 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 giving these explosions that make a lot of noise, but but the car is not going anywhere. I don't know if you've heard some cars that are going, and I'm not talking about the vrpa. The vrpa is a different. That's a different thing. That's that's a different vrpa. But there's the other vrpa. Actually, properly the car must go vrpa, but when it's out of timing, it goes papa pa, vr vr so that, that's, that's basically what happens <laughs> and when it goes paw, paw, fur, fur, it's a lot of noise and I remember you know in the 80s in, you know at the height of what was happening in the country and you remember you know people used to get shot on the streets and so on so any sound of gunshots we would run away you know and then all of a sudden you had this papa and we would just run and the next thing he has this kodonki of a car passing on the road and you're thinking yay tell me So, here's what this verse is saying, Bazelon. Everything has its season. And there's a time for every purpose under heaven. Watch this. When your life is out of timing, right? When your life is out of timing and you don't put first things first, and you don't understand the importance of being purpose-driven, you may busy yourself with a lot of things but achieve nothing. Not only that, you will not be able to use what God has given you, you will abuse it. The 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 Bible in basic English says, to everything there's a fixed time and a time for every business under the sun. The Amplified Bible says, to everything there's a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. The late Dr. Miles Monroe was famous for making the statement, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. And there are many people who don't understand why God gave them the gifts he gave them. Why God wired you the way you are? So they don't know the purpose for their life. So what do they do? They just do anything with their body. Anything with their time. Read anything. Mix around with any friends. Go anywhere at any time. Do anything that comes their way. See, even when Jesus came into the world, He came based on purpose. 1 John 3 8 reads the second part. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so the question is, do you know the purpose of your life? Do you really understand why God made you who you are? Why you are wired the way you are? Why you are gifted the way you are? Why is it that you have a grace on your life in certain areas? Can you really appreciate the reason why God protected your life? And God ensured that even when the enemy tried to kill you, you didn't die. Can you really appreciate the fact that you are still here? When we are being welcomed here, you know, you know, the statement was made, we made it into 2024. Imagine there are people who didn't make it into 2024. Why is it that God spared you and me? Do you really understand? So when, when you have vision... You live out your purpose. But when you don't have vision, you'll continue to misfire. And things will be out of timing. What's supposed to be done first will be done second. What's supposed to be done second will be done last, and so on. And once life is out of timing, it's a big problem. Big problem. And that's why I want to say to you young people, you know, you know, you young, there are things that you should be busy yourselves with right now at your age. Thank you for those wonderful amens. Yeah. Yeah. You're young. You still have time to read and study, you know, to be spiritual, love God, and you don't have responsibilities that some of us elderly people have. Yeah. So instead of going to Maponya Mall and spending the whole day there, Look at the young person sitting next to you. Say you must say amen to his preaching, even if you don't like it. Say amen to his preaching. He's telling the truth. hmm You know, you drive around. It's, it always amazes me during school time, and you, you just can't understand why during school hours there are these two love birds standing on the street corner doing the sakaduk how many of you remember what Sakatuku is? How many of you? Let me see your hands. How many of you remember what Sakatuku is? Because if you don't, I will remind you what Sakatuku is. You don't know what Sakatuku is? You don't know what Sakatuku is? No. You don't know? No. Serious? You don't know? Ah, no. oh, yeah. And so they spend the whole year doing Sakatuku, and then come October, November, Baba Cross Night. Come on now. You know what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, Just everything is just, you know. And, and we don't realize how quickly time flies. But before long, you no longer have that freedom of being young. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have all that time because you've got responsibilities. Uh, when you're married, you have your husband, a wife, got children, house take care of, you must work, you must this, you must this. You must this, and, and before long in our culture, in the family, you are the one. Before long, you are the malume. Yeah. Oh yeah, now you heard me, you heard me. Before long, back then they used to call you dead. Now he's gone home to be with the Lord. You are the one. Yeah, nothing ever starts without you. Yeah. Lobola is you, funeral is you. If strohulu gets on the head, you mu- they must bring them to you. salamatemo. No, already said it Yeah. Yeah. And and before long you realize now you now now you want to go back and study what you should have studied. Yeah, yeah. You see this side they're saying hey in a passionate way. At least they at least they embrace the truth this side. Yeah. But why things are out of timing? And when things are out of timing, it's a really, really big problem. And lastly, number five, now that you're quiet on me. Number five, vision helps us to spend our borrowed time in building a legacy, a God-given legacy. Now note, We are all here on earth on borrowed time. The question is, what impact will we leave behind on earth? Now, I am aware that our impacts will not be the same. All right? But I'd like to submit to you that God has allotted some space for you to have impact. Right? Now, The length of our days on earth though preferable is not really a guarantee that we will live an impactful life. In fact we all want to live long but I want to take it further. We all want to maximize the impact of our lives on earth. I want to show you something very interesting. Jesus lived for only 33 and a half years. Let's make it 33, just for the sake of our discussion. 33 years. And yet, note what's written about him in John 21, 25. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Think about it. 33 years, but all the books that could be written in the world could not contain. Now, let's compare that with Genesis 5. Alright? So you have Jesus on the one hand, all the books that could be written in the world could not contain what he did. But then let's read in Genesis 5, still in the New Living Translation, verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Verse 22. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Now, as I'm reading this, if you could get your calculators out and put them more sighting, we're going to do a little bit of math. All right, just get the calculator. I know you are coming to church, but I mean, your phones can do that. So just get your calculator out and print. Those of you who are business people, I know you have your calculator in your bag. So just, just put it on the side. And, and that. Just, just put it on the side and just put it on the side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue. Verse 23. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared because God took him. Now note, verse 25. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech," Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Verse 27. Methuselah lived for 969 years, then he died. Now, this is, the, this is the, what we've just read. That's all that we are told about Methuselah. That's all. Ne? 969 years. So, so, yeah. have you got your calculator? Have you got your calculator? So, I want you to take 969 divided by 33. Just tell me. Hmm? 29.36. Is that correct? 29.36. Alright, so, so here we go. So Jesus lives one lifetime, 33 years. Methuselah 969, which is 29 times, 29 times, The time that Jesus had to live. twenty-nine. It was Jesus' life multiplied by 29. But when we write the obituary, (laughs) when we write the obituary, all we say about him is that he lived and died. But what we say about this one is that even if all the books could be written, we could not be able to contact. Oh, come on now. Come on now. What made the difference? I'll tell you what made the difference. If you read in the Gospels, the statements that Jesus used to make about himself, about God, and about his mission, were very clear that he knew what his purpose was. That in the way he lived, He didn't busy himself with that which was not his purpose. Because being busy doesn't suggest being productive. Jesus connected fully with his purpose. Let me give you a few scriptures. In Luke 22 from verse 24, you go on reading. He says there, the son of man came to serve and not to be served. In Luke 19.10, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In John 6.38, he says, I came down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Time and time again, Jesus restated his purpose for coming into the world. What was he doing? He was reaffirming his vision. He was reminding himself of his purpose. And in reaffirming his vision and reminding himself of his purpose, made sure that he busies himself with that which concerns his purpose. How many people in life live a life where they are distracted? See, the problem of being distracted is that you're busy. You're climbing a ladder at fever pitch pace, working very hard, climbing up that ladder, And the minute you get to the very top of the ladder, only then do you discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. And all the effort and everything that was done, it's all in vain because it just didn't line up with your vision. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, I never could understand the statement that's made where it says, may God multiply you a thousand times and you know, I read that a thousand times I mean how does that happen and then as I read this and I, and I looked at the life of Christ and I realized one day in your life in God's will fulfilling God's purpose involving yourself in God's vision one day in your life can be equivalent to what other people will take a thousand days to achieve can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, look at Jesus. 33 years. 33 years. The other guy lived 29 times more than him. Couldn't even be able to do just a fraction of what he did. May God multiply you a thousand times. Oh, yeah. Figuratively speaking, may God multiply you a thousand times where one day in your life will be equivalent to what others can do in one week. But that all happens because you are connected to God's vision. And so we pray that this year will be a year where you will live by vision and you'll be a man, a woman of purpose. And you're not going to allow your life to be distracted because where there's no vision, people perish. Perish. Let us pray together. We thank you so much, Lord, for reminding us to be men and women of vision. May this year be a year where we will be so focused on busying ourselves with the vision that you have for us. May we not allow ourselves to be distracted. May we not busy ourselves with other agendas. May we remember that we are here on borrowed time And through your will and through your purpose, you'll help us. Father, we let go of things that didn't work out well last year. We embrace a new spirit. We embrace a new heart as we give you praise. Will you join hands with your neighbor, please? Lord, as we join our hands, I pray for my neighbor right now that your blessing will rest upon them. Just begin to pray for your neighbors and just pray for them that God's blessing. I pray that you'll guide them and lead them. I pray that you'll move them forward. If it is that they are discouraged, I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring encouragement to them. Ah, oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. das. Oh, bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Bless Sakara Debrus Sakoro Deshudeba. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes Lord Thank you Lord We don't want to perish We don't want to be distracted We don't want to be a people who don't live With passion We don't want to see our lives Being confined to the current situations Oh we bless your name We bless your name Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Just keep your heads bowed, please, your eyes closed. You can let go of your neighbor, it's all right now. Just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. As we start this year, one of the best things we can ever do in our lives is to submit our lives to Jesus Christ a Savior and Lord of our lives. I know some of you, you've been invited or you've come on your own, whatever the situation. But if we were to tell the truth, you know that you're not born again. You're not a child of God. Your life is not changed. Your life is not transformed. And today, you want to say, you know, I want to give my life to Christ. I haven't lived in a way that has honored God. But I want to live in a way that will honor God. Or maybe you feel, you know, I'm I'm, I'm really far from God. In the manner in which I've lived, I've lived far from God. But I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. To change me, transform me, and make me a child of God. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. If that is you and you want to invite Christ into your life, I want to pray for you. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that is you and you need prayer, Would you raise your hand, please, right where you are? Doesn't matter which room you are in and even those of you who are live streaming, raise your hands right where you are. Those of you in the other churches, wherever you are, just raise your hand, please. People in the youth hall, in the foyer, room one to four, people in the dome, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. May I ask all of you who raised your hands, would you kindly stand, please, on your feet right where you are? Please, would you all over just stand on your feet? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Bless you. All right, now I, I want to pray with you. All right, I want to pray with you. I would like to invite you, please, just to come from where you are, take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, come stand in front facing the stage. All right.